You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. To help spread the gospel of Jesus, give us a five-star rating. That'll help bump us up in the podcast platforms. Additionally, make sure you share it with your friends. In this podcast, we're going to hear a Sunday morning message. Awesome. Can we hear it for our students one more time? They did a great job. The young children, the uh, youth did great. I was telling the youth band, when they're playing up there, it's not like, all oh, the youth drummer, the youth bass player, the youth singers are up here. It's just like, we've got musicians, we've got uh, worshipers up here. And so thank you guys for, for being a part of that. Um, thank you to Carrie, who, you may not have known this, but she had surgery on her teeth this week. She's missing some teeth. Um, her wisdom teeth are gone. So um, in staff meeting last week, Pastor Robert told me I'd be speaking this morning, and she spoke up, and she was like, well, I might need him to help me cover because I'm having surgery that week. I don't know how it'll be. And so in all of his grace and mercy that he so often gives us, do you remember what he said, Pastor Aaron? Suck it up, buttercup, or something like that. <laughs> he was like, I led worship, and I spoke for 20 years. And I was like, I'm good. I got it. But thanks, Carrie, for doing that. Um, I told her and kind of challenged her when I had my wisdom teeth out. I was at church that night. And uh, David told me I probably shouldn't speak, mainly because I had gauze and blood and I was still on drugs and (laughs) stuff like that. So it was probably good that I didn't. But I challenged Carrie and I said, if you're as tough as I am, you'll be there, knowing that she would be. But Monday, she was in no shape to do that. So let's turn our attentions to the screens as we... I'll carry out. Would I actually do that? Oh, I totally would. But I'm not going to in fear of what she will do to me. Um, the, the children didn't get to do a song for Christmas. They actually had two lined up. And as I was trying to prepare for this message and just praying that God would give me a word, that line jumped out of nowhere. The world is searching for an answer. That wasn't the song that they had prepared for Christmas, but that just kept playing in my heart. And it's so true. Every, everywhere I turn, everyone I talk to, no matter where their affiliation is, religion, political, otherwise, it seems like everyone is searching for the answer. Who in here would like to know the truth about everything right now? About everything. Yeah, that's, that's how we are designed, to seek truth, right? I'm not throwing that, casting that to fit any particular mold. I'm just purely saying that is how God designed us, to value and to pursue truth. And I asked River if he would help me lead that. River, if he's in his room alone or taking a shower or whatever, he's always singing these beautiful melodies you hear. Anytime you ask him to sing, it's always no. His sister, on the other hand, she would jump on this piano and do a backflip and land on the couch in front of all of you, and she wouldn't care a bit. But that's just how our our children are different and how we have to develop different gifts in them. And my parents are sitting here on the front row, and I was thinking about the gifts that they developed in me as a kid. Mom would take me around to the beach, and like, this is a sea cucumber, and it comes from the genus and the species and the phylum of all this stuff. And I was a kid, I'm like, Mom, I'm at the beach, I want to play. But then like two years later, here I am with my little aquarium or wagon picking up snakes and frogs and reptiles and bringing them home and open up the world book and I start like seeing what genus and species and phylum and all these things they're from right my dad was in the corner playing guitar he made a tape he traveled and uh to different churches and did that kind of thing and honestly I made fun of him I was a baseball player um I was like dad you're a band geek blah 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 by the time I was about 15 16 I'm like dad can you show me how to play that guitar right First time I took it to youth group and I had a little crowd of girls around me. I was like, Dad, I really need to know how to play this guitar. <laughs> like they're expecting something, Dad. I need to give them something here. And 
And those things that we instill into our children become who they are, right? I'm sure, I don't remember any of them, but I'm sure there are times when I was these guys' age that I said, Mom, Dad, I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like doing this. There were times in the fifth inning of United Central Supply game with Danny Sowers coaching when Mom pulled me off the field to go to church that I felt like playing second base. And I felt like batting because I was up first that inning. But that was not the uh, expectation. And so I don't remember any time where I said, Mom, I'm not going to church. I don't want to go. I'm sure they happen. You can tell me later. But I don't remember that. I remember the expectation, right? My mom was a teacher. My wife's a teacher. What we expect is most often what we can get. If we don't expect it, we're definitely not going to get it, right? So parents, I just want to ask you and plead with you to start prioritizing your kids' needs above their wants. Because there were times I wanted to go stay at someone's house or wanted to go do this or wanted to go to that party and wanted to do this or do that. And there were times as I got older that they would let me and there were some big times when they let me that it didn't go well at all. And I learned valuable, valuable lessons the hard way. But that expectation was still there. No matter if I was 15, 16, 17, 18, if I was in that house, it wasn't a conversation. Because what I needed was prioritized over what I wanted. And if there's one thing I could ask parents, that we would do that. For, for all of these people, for, for you know, youth kids, young kids, senior adults to come up here and worship together, we have to lay some personal preferences to the side. Janessa over here, she really is into bluegrass. I like blues. I like singer-songwriter. I like rock. Randy over there, he likes southern rock and different things. And I'm sure Riley likes different. Some like pop, some like rap. But when we come here, we all put that to the side and self-sacrifice to show love through that self-sacrifice in unity. And the world understands that. The world may not know everything about our religion, but they know what self-sacrifice through unity looks like. And they understand that. Galatians 3, 26 through 29 says this. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to his promise. So who belongs to Christ? All who believe. All who believe. There's no race, no gender, it even says, there's no qualifier other than our heart and who we believe. Don't take that out of context, that, is, that it's the scripture right here. The qualifier is not whether your neighbor does this or does that or whether the person on your street has this car or that car. The qualifier is do you believe? That's the qualifier because what we believe changes everything. What you truly believe changes everything. There's only five points in five verses. If you are taking notes or you're jotting stuff down on your phone, I'm going to give you five verses and five points that hopefully will help you reach those around you because we are the light, 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 the light of the world, right? 
so it's not what we hear. It's not where we go to church. It's not what we wear. It's not where we're born. It's not team we, what team we play for or root for. It's what we believe. What we believe changes everything. If they said it was going to snow a foot, by show of hands, raise your hand, who would go to the store and prepare and grab a bunch of things? There's some who would. Who would not? Okay. That says something about how well you believe the weatherman. <laughs> right? Because if you truly believed you were going to be snowed in for a week, you would probably go grab some things. Right? If fire alarms went off in this building, who would sit here like, no, it was no big deal? Who would get up and run? You don't have to raise your hand. But when I was in towers at WVU, by the 20th time that someone pulled the fire alarm, I just slept there. If the building was on fire, I was on the fifth floor, I'd have been in trouble. But I didn't believe it anymore. Right? So what we believe changes everything. It changes how we respond and how we act. We're studying Acts, like uh, Trey said in the announcement video, in youth. And in Acts, there was a small group of Christians in the early church who really believed and really opened themselves up for the Holy Spirit of God, for that fire to change how they acted and how they responded. And through that light, it says that there were about 120 and then there were about 3,000, and then there were 5,000, and every day more were added because they truly believed, and they reacted, and they acted that way. So that's a way to remember acts. Does what we believe, do we act like what we believe? And I'm going to ask you this. It's a bold statement. If you're doing nothing about the gospel, do you really believe? Right? If that alarm's going off or that notice is going out and you're doing nothing, do we really believe? We may genu genuinely say, I want to do something, Pastor Micah. I pray every day that God would make me a great singer so I could join that worship team. Pastor Aaron's still praying and it, it just hasn't happened yet. <laughs> but he still sings in staff meeting and we all enjoy it. You might say, well, once God makes me a great speaker, then I'm going to be a pastor. It doesn't work that way. His word says that he will equip those who are called. So you might say, I don't know what to say to my neighbor. I don't know what to say to this person on social media. I don't know what to say at the clerk or my coworker. But God does. We just had this discussion back there. There are people around you with lots of knowledge who may have rejected it. There are people around you with no knowledge. And the thing that will speak to them is not your knowledge. It's the Holy Spirit which is Jesus, which is God in us, our helper. So if you don't know what to say, ask the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, let's pray right now. God, we welcome your Holy Spirit in this room, God. God, the words that you want me to speak, God, I pray that you would bring them to my heart, bring them to my mouth, God, and you would bring them to the listener's ears, God. The words that you don't want to speak, God, if they come out of my mouth, God, I pray that you would shut their ears. God, through your spirit, let your truth be revealed, God, that we might be prepared to give an answer to show others the light that you have placed in us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. It's that easy. We just pray, we believe, and we act. Number two, Jesus told us all what to do once we do believe. So if you say, I believe, but I'm doing nothing, but I want to, Let's see what Jesus said. This is a pretty pivotal time in Matthew. 
chapter 27, if you're familiar with Matthew. Sorry, camera crew, I'm wondering. I'm making your lives really hard. They're like, choo, 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 choo. Um, in Matthew 27, Jesus was kind of up against it. He was telling them something was going to happen. He was telling them he might not be here. And they didn't understand it fully. Judas sold them out. So the 12 that were always together, like in our staff meeting, there's always 10 of us. If one of us sold someone out and then wasn't there, it would be pretty somber. If that person then took his own life because he did that, it would be pretty somber. That's where we're at in Matthew 27 and 28. Jesus was put on trial. Jesus was crucified. But he told the disciples before he was to meet him at a place on a mountain. Now think about that. If someone in your life was killed, but they had told you to meet them on a mountain, would you go? That's an act that only comes out of pure belief, I would say. That's pretty bold faith. Matthew 28, 16 through 20 says this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is called the Great Commission. The Great Commission, not the pretty good commission, not the something Jesus said once commission. This is the first thing that he came back in Matthew 28 and said to his disciples after he had been raised. The Great Commission. This is for all of us. This is for all nations. This is bigger than Jesus' hometown. This is bigger than Jesus' nation, right? Even those in Acts, he said, it, it, it starts here, but it goes out from here. It doesn't stay here. It's not just for the Jew. It's not just for the Gentile. It's not just for the slave. It's not just for the free. It's not just for the man. It's not just for the woman. It's not just for the Haitian. It's just not for the American. It's just not for the German. It's for everyone. And we need to believe that and we need to act that way. Because point number three says the gospel brings life where there used to be death. The gospel isn't something nice that will help you live a better life and get more material things and get more recognition. It's actually quite the opposite, actually quite the contrary. The gospel brings life where there used to be death. If you know that and you have the ability to share that with someone, but you don't, what does that say about how, how you believe or how you care about that person? Because the gospel brings life where there used to be death. Sin continues to separate us. The enemy will use any difference among us, whether it's age, musical preference, team preference, any difference, he'll use that to divide us. But just like in Acts, the people that were divided, God used the language of the Holy Spirit so they could all understand each other in that self-sacrificial love. We see a lot of that in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the different gifts of the Holy Spirit. It talks about prophecy, teaching, speaking, speaking in different languages, interpretation of those different languages, miracles, healing, helping. That's your homework for the week. I want you to read 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 13. It talks about the different gifts of the Spirit. It doesn't glorify one above the other, right? My son River, who was up here, uh, singing, and then Lorelai, who was over here dancing, and, and Barrett, who's over here dancing, God doesn't look down and say, oh, I wonder why that one didn't learn the verses. That's not God. 
He sees our worship, right? Every person behind a camera, every person in a seat, we are all worshiping together. You encouraged me just as much as you engaged in worship this morning as anyone with a microphone. So verse, or or chapter 12 talks about those different gifts and how none of them are different or more important than the other. The parking lot, the media team, the choir, right? If the parking lot didn't do their job, it wouldn't matter what the choir did because you all would wreck out there and the road would be closed and no one would be here. So we're thankful for them, right? For our, for our building maintenance people, we're thankful for them, especially with what's going on now. It's important that this place is clean, right? That's a big job. It's a big job. Don't let your gift get in the way of your purpose. Don't let your gift get in the way of your purpose. What do I mean by that? 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3 says this. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, it says I gain nothing. Right? I may have done this before in here. I know I've done it in youth. We all know someone who's really, really talented, and that person knows how talented they are, and no matter how good they are, you don't want to root for them. You don't want to be around them. Don't raise your hand, but we all know someone like that, right? (laughs) I heard, "Mm mm-hmm. So I have the true gift of the Holy Spirit, and you don't. (laughs) <laughs> Don't clap that. Now I'm going to read John 3:16. For God All right. That's why I'm not a drummer. Who heard John 3:16? Anybody? No. You heard a bold, arrogant statement that was false. And then I had some truth to share with you, and you didn't hear it. Because I said something so that I might boast. It's hard because we're human, right? And our spirit is prideful. If you know anything about the devil, he was a minister of music in heaven, and his pride kept building and saying that I'm better, I know more, I know more than God. Here's my opportunity to take control over God. It looks a lot like evil in the garden that came to Adam and came to Eve and said, you can know as much, you can know more than God. Yeah, I know his word says this, but I want you to feel this. That's what's dangerous about our feelings. While they're very real, they're not always right. So to know truth, as we search for for humans, there has to be a truth. The only thing that works for me is to root that truth in the authority of his word in his scripture, right? If not, it's going to change with every election. It's going to change with every friend group. It's going to change with everything. And that will drive you insane. So if you're feeling that uneasiness and you need that steadiness, it is found in the word. I say found we're going to start find. I have a feeling that's probably more what find is about, isn't it? Finding that truth. 
and that definition. Don't let your gift get in the way of your purpose. I've mentioned a couple times, I'm almost done, I got one more point, but I've mentioned a couple times that self-sacrificial love that we can understand even if we don't speak the same language. I found myself in Guatemala and, and one day we would play in this beautiful marble church where they had these big Olympic torches and sound systems bigger than the one in this room in Guatemala City. And then we would drive 10 miles outside of the city and it was extreme poverty. Right? The pastors, I'm sure, probably didn't even receive a salary. But I got to spend a whole week. We played one concert and spent five days installing water lines and building this church so this church could have things like electricity and running water. And so we were there, traded. We have some of these pictures. So that, that's some of the other guys there. See that long rebar, that like long thing you see in the middle? They needed pieces like this. You couldn't buy them at the store because they couldn't afford them. So those are some of the band guys chiseling off nine-inch pieces of rebar to be used in construction. That ditch back there is for the water line. You're, you're good. Next picture. So that's me and Brian right there. And then you see the gentleman behind us with the hat who's not taking a break and leaning on a shovel like we are? That guy worked us all under the table. Like if we had stayed there for 10 more seconds, he'd have been digging at our boots and we'd have had to move. Didn't speak English. I spoke very little Spanish, but he encouraged me. I think we have one more picture. Here I am mixing um, concrete. This is what they do. They go out on the street and grab gravel and sand and they sift it out. And this is how they make their concrete to make their block to build their walls. Look in the background. See the guy back there with the hat? I noticed his shoes halfway through the week were worn off on the end. I could honestly see his big toe on one side. And then at the end of the week, it was time for at the Sunday morning worship service. And a, and a man came up behind the podium. And I looked down. He was wearing those same shoes. It was the head pastor of that church. That always stayed with me. That love is something we understand, right? Jesus, when he hurt his hands for us, we understood. When that pastor was out there just working, just working, just working, he might have led a song at lunchtime one day, but otherwise you'd have never known that he was the head pastor. But when he stepped behind that podium, I didn't understand anything he said except maybe love and Jesus. But I wept the entire service because of the Holy Spirit that he showed that whole week through his light. <laughs> Point number five, let your light shine. And that's your last point. Let your light shine. Matthew 5, 14 and 16 says this. It says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So anything that we do should point toward Jesus and to our Father in heaven, right? Trey, can you bring the lights down a little bit? 
If your name starts with an A, an R, or an S, will you turn on your phone light? An A, an R, or an S? If this was youth, whoever that person is right there, I would throw a uh, piece of candy at you for being first. <laughs> All right, A and R and S. All right, look around. You see those lights? In this dark room, they're very important, right? Trey, can you bring the lights up to full in the house? You, you can still see those lights, right? But as they get dimmer, those lights are more and more and more important. So A and R and S people, look at someone around you and ask them to turn on their phone, to turn on their light. Now, anyone with a light on, look around to the people around you and ask them to turn on their light. Start looking around the room, guys. Now we have coverage from one side of the room to the other. Not everyone. But we've got coverage. We've got people, right? At, at this job over here, we've got people there with the light. At, at this job over here, at this team over here, we've got people with the light, right? On this board, we have people with the light, right? At this church, we have people with the light. Because just being in church doesn't give you the light. The Holy Spirit gives you the light. All right, good job. You can save your phone battery. You're going to need it at lunch when you're ignoring your family. Hi. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. If that's a point of contention in your life, I'm sorry for bringing it up. Um, <laughs> Colossians 4 and 6, and then I'm done, says this. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Right? Paul looked at this a lot. How, how do we do this? How do we speak to the person who knows the truth, who was raised in the church, but turned his back on it all and may know more about religion than I do? And how do we speak to the coworker who's never, ever set foot in a church and never heard the gospel? How do we speak to both of those people? How do we reach an atheist? How do we reach an agnostic? How do we reach someone of a completely different faith counter to our own? I had a person ask me, and maybe this person's watching by live stream, don't ask me because I won't tell you who they are. Ask me why I took offense to the guy in Congress who, who gave a prayer and as a minister. He was an ordained minister and gave a prayer to all of the different gods and all the different faiths, no matter who they were and what they stood for. The guy that closed with a woman. And we have to have a conviction, right? If it goes against what Jesus Christ himself said, if he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, then that's it. We don't have to be, we don't have to be, yeah. We don't have to be rude about it. We don't have to be mean. We don't have to be demeaning or degrading about it. This person, I had like an hour-long conversation, and I benefited from that perspective, and hopefully they benefited from that perspective. Right? It wasn't like, you're wrong, I'm right, I know all the answers, because we're all humans. Right? I have other people that literally cuss me, call me naive, do this, do that, and I still go fishing with those people. I still love those people just as much as any pastor, just as much as anyone that I know or am related to. Because God created them, he has a purpose for them, and he cares for them. 
through these five scriptures, Galatians 3, Matthew 28, 1 Corinthians 13, Matthew 5, and Colossians 4, I believe we can develop a framework to reach the world no matter where they're at, right? Because during a pandemic, honestly, most people coming to church during a global pandemic probably are Christians. I'm not saying everyone. There are people searching, but they're searching from afar. They're searching through questions on the internet. They're searching through live streams, right? I'm so glad, whoever you are that's watching this live stream, that you've tuned in, and I pray that the truth of the Holy Spirit and the scripture would reach you where you're at. As Carrie or someone comes to the piano, think about what it means to be a lighthouse. If you've ever been on a boat, like me as a duck hunter, I'm on rivers and lakes a lot in the dark, which can be scary, right? They've got lights, and they've got a system of lights. Like you got a red light, a green light, you got a light on the back. And if I'm looking out across the way and I see a red light and a green light, if it's oriented properly, I should know where that boat is, which way it's going, and how to avoid them. But if both of us are lost and we're on a huge sea, there's this thing called a lighthouse, which you've probably heard of. And they've got a light. I've never taken a captain's test, so I don't know exactly how they work or what they mean, but I know that that light is shown in such a way which could bring me back safe to the harbor. If the person up there with that light is shining it in properly, it could bring me unsafely to a rock jetty, right? It's important that our light is directed properly, and it's important that our light is on. The first step of that is belief. As I speak to the youth in the study of Acts, just being in a youth group or in a church does not give you the light. You have to believe and accept. Let's bow our heads. If there's one person here in person who's been in a church, who's been around church, but you've never said, Jesus, I fully give you my heart and I fully give you my life. I believe what you say is true. I want to make you Lord of all, not Lord of some, not Lord of most. I want to make you Lord of all, God. I want your light to shine so bright in me that others can see it. I want to accept what you did on the cross for my sins. God, I believe if that's you with everyone's head down and you're doing that for the first time this morning, if you've made that confession for the first time that you believe and you accept Jesus Christ into your heart and your life, would you raise your hand? If there's anyone here, would you raise your hand? Those watching by live stream, if you make that confession of faith, please reach out to us. Send us a message. We'll call you. We can, we can counsel you. We can do anything we have to do to disciple you so that you may find the truth that you're looking for. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. 